Welcome to the Heart Song Entrepreneur Podcast, a show where we share practical business and legal tips, unconventional wisdom, and inspiring stories to help you get your business aligned with your vision. I'm your host, Shannon Vialba, business and intellectual property lawyer, serial entrepreneur, and holistic practitioner. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Heart Song Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Vialba, and I am an intellectual property lawyer and holistic practitioner and intuitive business design coach. Today on my podcast, I'm super excited to introduce to you Sarah Enner. She is a speaker on a mission to bring some simple inclusion strategies to life through relatable stories. Culture, morale, and results improve when we marry revenue to respect and coach with curiosity and banish bias. Sarah has always been a bold and unique personality with plenty of confidence and presence. As a firm lawyer and an in-house counsel and compliance for big bank asset managers, she felt pressure to fit in. Praise for her technical skill, managers viewed her personality as too confident, too ambitious, just too much. An adult diagnosis of ADHD has opened her eyes. She's energetic, ambitious, and fearless for a reason. She can always see how she could have been more self-aware, helping her employer to support her unique traits. She's been an entrepreneur since 2017. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Shannon, for having me. It's so nice to be joining you today. Thank you. I'm so happy that you're here. We have a lot of things in common, you know, because we are both uh, corporate attorneys and have lived in that very constrained environment. (laughs) I, I use that word on purpose, especially like when just describing in your bio that your employers were saying that you were too much. I've gotten that as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I've heard that actually um, quite a bit recently. I've been reaching out to to talk about the speaking that I'm doing now. And I've actually had um, female leaders actually reach to me and say, yeah, I've also been told that I'm too much at work. So sounds like a, a topic that resonates, especially with lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. And as we move forward into embracing the unique aspects of ourselves and uh, as well as um, just learning more about energetics and in general, we're starting to feel how some, some environments and some careers are just not compatible with who we are. So tell me a little bit about your story and your journey to listening to your heart song to become a speaker as coming from, you know, a legal background. Yeah. So, I mean, when I first thought about being a lawyer, um, you know, I was a little lost when I was finishing university, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, and a couple, I, I tried to reflect and think about what I enjoyed and what I was good at. And, um, a few of the things that kind of jumped out to me were the fact that I like to perform. I like to be, I thought, you know, the I, I was picturing law and order, right? Litigation. I'm going to be standing up in front of a judge. And I, um, I also sort of like to debate topics and ideas. And so I thought, all right, I'll, I'll persuade judges and it's going to be amazing. 
Um, and in fact, I had conversations with lawyers in my first days at law school talking about, um, about this being kind of the reason. Um, I learned pretty quickly, actually, that you don't do, really do any of that. Like, you know, litigation, I, I spent an inordinate amount of time looking at paper and uh, pulling it together and doing research and those kinds of things. Um, so I was pretty thrilled when I got uh, invited to work in-house at a big bank. Um, I was brand new, fresh off the articling presses. And so um, I was a bit surprised to be offered the opportunity. Um, but it was much more practical in my view. So I kind of went down that path because it was so interrelated with what the business was doing and how they were building their products. And yes, there was still a lot of, you know, needing to know very detailed information, understand the law, apply it to the facts and all of those things. But it also involved helping the business move forward and offer products that we're going to then sell. So that's what kind of kept me there along with the people and, and making myself as much as I could a part of the business rather than a part of the department of no, even though that was a bit inevitable uh, to be viewed that way. But um, yeah, it was it was really just trying to keep the business side of things going. Um, and then uh, over time, I guess pretty much right away, I, I was I started off at one bank and my manager had hired me again, no experience yet other than articling. And then he took a role at a different bank, maybe four or five, six months into my into my job there. And so when he left, his boss sort of said, oh, well, you know, use external counsel and learn what you can. And we don't have anybody else to give you right now to help. And I sat on that for a couple of weeks. And then I asked her if I could just have his job, if I was going to be learning from external counsel. And she looked at me in shock and sort of said, oh, that wouldn't really be fair to the business. And so I wasn't given that role and it took a long time to replace him. And eventually I actually just followed across the street to the next bank where he was working. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, again, you know, a year or two after that, I was asking him, well, can I get a higher grade level? Can I have another promotion? Can I sort of advance my career? Because you keep telling me I'm great at all of these technical things and at the law. Um, and I was told pretty often that that was not, it was too soon and the politics of the place didn't really allow it um, quite as quickly. So, you know, I had, I had feedback in things like 360s that, oh, it seems like it's all about Sarah and, you know, she's... She's uh, really ambitious, but it comes off sort of this distasteful way to your point of the constrained environment, you know, even in a business, especially a very large business, there's always that sort of politics and, you know, stay in your lane and take, earn your dues and, and spend your time, which is the earn your dues culture is exactly why I didn't ever go the route of law firm life other than for articling. Um, so yeah, that's what, that, that's the legal side of it. Um, and then I realized that the politics were not going to change. I was starting to get very disillusioned. I wasn't sure if I wanted to even still practice law. And so I took time off. I left my job entirely. I traveled. Um, when I came back, I, I kind of got sucked back into lawyering as a stopgap measure. Um, so I've been, but I, I pitched it so that it would be all with smaller companies and real humans that truly needed help was the way I tried to get my strengths kind of into into my work and you know it just over time there were a lot of things that I kept trying to get you know get my strengths and my gifts and my things that I'm so wonderful at shoehorned into this this lawyering role but um 
in the end, I've realized it's, I've got to do it the other way around. I've really got to be doing what I'm great at and build the business around that more so than just doing what I'm excellent at merely um, and trying to squeeze in more of what I love. Yeah, that, that I love how you're taking that approach because you're putting what is in your heart and you're putting your passions first and crafting your business. Like you said, you're crafting your business around those passions. And you always hear people talk about, oh, what's your why, whatever. And, and a lot of times some people don't even know what their why is. And that's why I say, listen to your heart song. What is making your heart sing? Right. And, and your eyes and everything just started lighting up when you started talking about, I started doing things that I love to do and I'm creating a business around what I love to do. And I'm sure it's, it's making a giant impact, not only in your life, but in the lives of your clients, because yeah. they are benefiting from your knowledge and your expertise, but they're also benefiting from you energetically. That's right. Yeah. And I think I really thrive on the energetic side of things. I am a very, very outgoing person, which is hard to tamp down in any circumstance. Um, when you read my bio, you, you also mentioned this ADHD diagnosis. And, you know, one of the ways that I exhibit empathy or relate to people and feel, you know, in my own heart, what they are and need is sharing my own stories. Um, so, you know, it isn't infrequently that I talk to a friend or a colleague and I ask them how they're doing. They tell me one little tidbit. And next thing you know, I'm down a rabbit hole about all the ways that I too have experienced something similar, which can, if, if I'm now that I know that that's, that there's a reason for that, it's actually lovely because I can share it and, and invite people to cut me off and bring me back on track and all of those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, it took, it took a while to, to be able to just recognize that I'm not particularly happy having to be quiet. Um, I just like to bring the exuberance that I have inside of me out. Um, and you sort of mentioned about the why and my, my eyes kind of lit up there too. Cause I thought, you know, I, it really resonates what you say, because I didn't know my why for a long time. I kept, you know, everyone tells you, you have to know your why. Mr. Sinek tells me I must know my why, you know? And so I sat there and thought, what's my why? And it was always, you know, oh, I'm going to have my own practice. So I'll be able to have lots of flexibility and I can keep more of the money that I earn. And, you know, I'll be able to help smaller businesses, which was appealing, but is not very specific. You know, it's just, it's kind of a vague, I'll help entrepreneurs, right? Great. Um, what kind of entrepreneurs? What do I exactly want to help them with, right? And because of my brain going hundred miles per hour, I want to help them with everything. And then I overwhelm myself and realize, oh, every single new thing is a brand new thing to learn. And so with the speaking, um, and even as I was moving in this direction with mentorship and with some uh, educational bits, um, it became uh, like suddenly the, the other person became more important in a way. So even though I knew, you know, these entrepreneurs need my help, of course, and they need legal advice. And I know all the reasons that they will benefit from it, but it's hard to show that where it's really easy to show someone that you care about their ability to be authentic and you want to show them how you've done it, how they can maybe see themselves in you, how others can maybe understand you or others better by doing this. Um, you know, I'm brave enough to do it. And so I ought to, rather than sitting quietly, not saying the non-conservative things. Um, and then recently too, it just, it really got even more granular, someone who 
coaches, um, LinkedIn business development for lawyers commented that you've really got to get to this gut level. Why? And gave an example of what his was. And I thought, okay, I've got to get more granular than what I'm thinking even about this bravery deal. And the truth is it, at my absolute core, I want to be myself every day. And I want to do it in a way that is received kindly. Like I, I don't want to be an awfully mean bully person or be perceived that way. Um, and I want other people to be able to do that as well. So, you know, that's the gut reason that I want to speak and share my story and because it comes naturally. Right. Um, but that why is so critical and I keep seeing people talking about, Oh, these are all the things you have to do to be a successful entrepreneur. And I often just want to say, maybe, you know, you want to leave your nine to five and go here. I did that. But I spent a lot of time thinking I just needed to get away from what I was in and no time at all remembering to pay attention to what I actually enjoyed. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, that happens a lot. I, and I've seen it just through clients, through colleagues and friends that I just want to quit my job. And, and I just, I want to live this like kind of nomad life or, or I want to go do this and I want to go do that. And I experienced it myself too. But when you have, when you go and you just take that quiet time to connect with yourself. And that's why I'm always saying you're, you're when I liked how you were talking about your core, but that's what I was saying about like connecting within to your heart song. Yeah. Because your heart song is literally going to to discern what your why is yeah because it's going to to all of a sudden uncover all the things that you want to do and I, I mean I can empathize with you in the fact of like when you're sharing your own stories with other people yeah like in my case and uh, you know coming from the legal world as well, you know, I'm getting burned out and everything. And just the legal world in general is very stressful. And I started connecting with my own why, what is it that I really love to do? I love chatting with people and learning their stories and hearing their stories because people fascinate me. Yeah. I can literally talk to a wall. You, that's why I love that you and I are connected because we're so similar in that respect. Yeah. And I love empowering people. And that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm having the podcast. That's why I'm doing the coaching and my mentoring and I'm teaching. And and, I do, and I've accepted the fact that uh, I can do all these things and be able to do a part of them and share them with people and not just be put into some box. Yeah. And especially when we're lawyers, we're always just put your, you got to wear certain clothes. You've got to speak a, diff, a certain way. You have to look a certain way. You have to act a certain way. And not only are we constrained with all of that, then we're constrained of, oh, you can't advertise in this way. You can't reach out to people who are needing help. They have to come to you. And I mean, all of our ethics rules, everything like that, we are literally put into a box. Yeah. And so I've seen over and over, a lot of lawyers are like, I'm done. Yeah. I, I just, I'm, I'm done being in a, in a cage. And I and think sometimes we don't yeah. even know why we're done, right? Like, is it the ethics constraints? Is it, the, I mean, ethics constraints, they, they, I say that 
it's very good that we're ethical and that we have to be ethical. It's just some of the implementation is, is difficult and doesn't account for different styles. Right. Um, but everything you just said, I feel like there was 17 topics that I really want to spend about an hour talking about here. Um, but one of them, uh, you know, you mentioned about how you kind of think you have to do it a certain way and people are finished, but they're, you know, they don't know, is it the ethics rules? Is it the, the people they're working with? Is it the type of law? And, and they, I'm pretty self-aware. I can be very self-aware, but what I notice is that I actually need to be reminded to be. So at my physio appointments, if they tell me to move my shoulder in this way, I can do it. But if he says, just turn around, I'll do it all weird. Like I'm a robot. Um, and so similarly, you know, I, I rely on other people to just, I, I listen to what other people say. And at work, I used to hear things like, oh, come on, Sarah, Every, nobody likes their job. And I was sitting there thinking, actually, I really do like my job. This was when I was just doing the work, but, you know, the rest of the politics hadn't really crashed around me. But I think we need to not listen to people when they say that, because if we start to assume that everybody hates their job and it's just a part of normal living that we hate our job, then we believe it. And we think, like I did, that the only thing I can do is just direct the work I do there as much as I can towards the best part and then suck it up when it's time to do, you know, 50 or 80% things I don't enjoy. And so it was in my own business when um, I tried to look at what is involved in reviewing a contract, for example. And I'm very good at reading the document, understanding the issues, pointing out the legal concerns, doing the research, applying it to the business. But that stuff doesn't come easily, if that makes sense. You know, it it's um, it might be easier than for some people. But when I say easy, I mean, I need to psych myself up to sit to my computer. It's not the work itself that's not easy. It's the, ugh, I've got to research this and I've got to look at that and I've got to consider that, you know. But I love, like you, pulling together a quick little PowerPoint that's just going to make it digestible for the client, involves some creativity, involves some thinking about the client's point of view. Um, and then I love the meeting with the client and talking about it. But when I do math on how much of my time is spent with doing the parts of that I love, the answer is 20% instead of 80, right? And so if I sit there and say, oh, everyone's going to hate part of their job, and I'm a very analytical person, but I haven't turned my mind to the percentages yet. I just think, oh yeah, you know, I love these parts and I guess I'll just cling to that. But as soon as I thought, no, I want to spend all my time talking to the clients, you know, I tried to build a few things that would work that way and then realized it's not all that practical in a legal context. So then I thought, well, how do I, how do I do something completely otherwise? Because we do, we can listen to that heart song and trust ourselves, right? If we do actually take a second and listen, um, that's what I've been experiencing time and time and time again in the last couple of months is just, oh yeah, this is what I actually really love and want to do. This is what I used to play at as a child, right? These, those things, we think it's child's play to, to think about like what, you know, oh, I used to like to make up dances with my friend Amy and present them to my grandparents, right? I liked being on stage. I liked being looked at. I liked making people laugh. I liked being goofy, you know? And so I look back now, I'm going to build a business around it. I am going to continue to get on a stage and talk to people, make my life funny, be as self-deprecating as I am in human, in real life, you know, and just trust that it's all going to work out because I'm now doing what I'm born to do. And that's what my business feels like right now. I am born to be where I am headed right now. Um, so it's a, it's a great feeling.
And I know you're having a similar experience too. So I love how you said that. I just love that you were born to do what it is that you're doing now. And it, and it, and it exudes from you. It really does. And I just want to remind everybody who's listening, when you are doing something that you love, you, your energy changes, the way that you look changes. I mean, just this natural excitement just, just emanates from you. And I think it's beautiful. And I have a similar experience because I used to do skits with my sister for, for our family. And then we were in, we were in part of the children's theater and we actually went to art school for theater for high school. And I really enjoyed it, but I just couldn't at the time. It was like, I can't connect with the emotional part. You know, I just liked like being on stage and being silly. Yeah. Yeah. But we forget, you know, our whole society tells us that you can't make money as an artist. You can't make money as just that. You know, the number of people when I I thought I would do a legal subscription service where people just call me and they talk to me for 30 minutes and that's all I'm going to do. I'm not going to do contracts afterwards. I'm not going to do extra research for the most part. And people, other lawyers, right, would say, you can't do that. You know, that's not going to work. They're going to need more information. If they go to another lawyer, your advice is now useless. And, you know, maybe they're, the society is not yet prepared for, you know, but I, I thought, don't tell me what I can do. I can do what I want to do, right? And you can make money as an artist. If you're a painter, if you're a performer, you can make money as a writer, as a, you know, you can make money as a circus clown. You can make money as anything that you want to. And it's all about actually tuning into what you love because there's lots of times And my husband would say, you know, entrepreneurs are born, they're not created, you can't learn to be one. And I disagree with him pretty much entirely. I think entrepreneurs, you you have to have a certain spirit, of course, you have to be comfortable with risk, because you're not going to have a set paycheck, for example, you have to be comfortable with you driving what you work on, because you're not going to have instructions from somebody as you would in a job. But what you also need to have is he would describe it as passion. And I've heard you use the word passion quite a bit. You just have to know yourself. Like I, I don't personally, I'm not sure that I would say it's that I identify with it as passion right off, but I identify it as a thing that comes naturally to me because we we feel good when we do things and we're successful at them, right? So if I tried to, I don't know, carve a wood sculpture, I would find it very difficult and I would be very disappointed because I would not probably be good at it right away. I haven't tried it, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't get down on myself yet. But if I was asked to stand in front of a group and tell them a story, yeah, that's easy, right? And I can do it at work and I can do those elements of my job really, really well. Um, and so I think you have to you have to know yourself. I feel like it's the self-awareness piece that is so critical because there's, you sort of alluded to the, you know, wear what you have to wear at work kind of thing and all these boxes that were put inside of in the cages at, in a legal um, context. And it's it's everywhere, to be honest. We have all these gatekeeping words that we um, are constantly, that constantly are used. They're all subjective. And yet society thinks they mean one thing. What does success mean, for example? What does easy mean, right? Because what's easy for me is not easy for other people. And, you know, what is professional? Is it gray suits and my hair has to be less floofy than it is right now? And I can't wear this t-shirt. Like what is professionalism? 
Is it the fact that I know my profession? Like it's so subjective. And so we have to almost just say, okay, I don't even care what those words are or what they mean. What am I finding easy? What feels good? What, What kind of level of professionalism would I want to interact with if I were a client of this person, right? And that's why if you were to go to my website and take a look, you'll see me sitting in jeans and high tops and sweaters. I want to be relatable. I want to be talking to clients that want an easygoing, friendly, casual lawyer that's super smart and going to help them with all their problems, of course. Um, But I don't really want to go into the giant tower and the stuffy office and the, you know, and yeah, just I want someone to know me, understand my problem. I want them to feel my pain and help me resolve it with my goals in mind, you know? And so, you know, now I'm going to, I'm going to shift to, um, you know, as I, as I shift away from some of the legal work that, that I, as I am right now, um, hopefully I'll be able to help people see that these words are not helpful and see that curiosity is really the key to understanding other people, right? And you don't have to understand every detail. I am a natural inquisitor. I want to know everything. I can't almost function if I don't know every single detail. Um, Other people don't need that level of detail. But because I'm so analytical, it isn't always natural for me to say, oh, how are you feeling? And then listen for the answer. And then try to say, okay, well, I wonder why you might be feeling that way. Did you want to share some more, right? It's so easy to just make a judgment. Oh, you're feeling down. Oh, buck up little soldier. You're going to be okay. Like it'll be fine. No, no, hang on. Let that person have their feelings. Ask more questions and understand. And so, you know, my, my topics, they, obviously my storytelling will center largely around my diagnosis with ADHD because it's just changed so much of my life in such a short time and it changes day to day as we are progressing. But, you know, it'll touch on things that will help these giant corporations make their diversity initiatives more meaningful, right? They'll be able to get curious about difference, right? Whether it is, you know, folks that are Black or LGBTQ or whether it's people that have invisible um, conditions like myself and be able to say, oh, you just think differently. That doesn't mean you have a bad personality and I should hate you. That means I should understand what drives you and how you live in this world and how I can then help you. So, you know, topics on things like giving more meaningful performance, um, appraisals and feedback, um, just generally how to help you and assess your environment and see if it's supportive so that you can make sure that you can bring yourself authentically to the office in the pink top you want to wear today and the, you know, chunky glasses I want to wear or whatever it is. So, yeah, I'm really, I'm really pleased to, to be able to start in a way, my own journey of learning this stuff myself. And now that I am aware of how my mind has functioned for so long. That's beautiful. I love it. It's just, it's, it's so interesting to see how you can shift different perspectives into different topics that can be more of a broad spectrum that even though you can be speaking to a whole group of people, it'll feel like you're actually speaking to that one individual person. Exactly. It's almost like um, when you get your horoscope, right? Or you read your horoscope, you think, oh, this feels like it's exactly written to me. 
And you know, there's a million other Aquarii out there that are feeling the same thing for very different reasons, right? Or, you know, you can read the one that's on the cusp right beside you and think, oh, that's, uh, am I actually kind of a Pisces? How does this work? You know, you can always see yourself in those readings. Um, and I think that's actually exactly my point is some people will see themselves in me and other people they won't at all. And they'll just say, oh, wow, I did not know people live like that. I've had that reaction so many times recently. Oh my God, you mean it is a battle for you to remember to put your dishwasher on and this can go on for days? Is this what you're telling? Like this, is, Everyone says, oh, I hate chores. Yeah, yeah, I hate chores also. I literally cannot do them. I can't force myself. And until you hear, this is why I thank God I'm a good, like I can talk for days, but here are all the steps I went through to get this dishwasher on today. You know, um, hopefully people will see it and say, oh, I wouldn't have imagined that because that very complex document over there just got drafted with no mistakes and, you know, really great business acumen and all those other things. Um, and there's a lot more people like me out there. Right. And there's a lot more people that are similar to me that might see elements of it and then realize, oh, no, they're actually autistic. They're not ADHD at all or vice versa. Right. Or just anxious in general and think, oh, it's OK that I'm anxious. I'm allowed to be anxious at work, actually. Um, the partnership model is built to make me anxious, maybe sometimes. Right. So. It's uh, I'm really looking forward to, to doing more of it. And as you said, too, it actually can be done to almost any audience because the underlying themes are universal, right? We need to know ourselves. We need to be aware of our environment and whether it is or is not supportive of us. We need to trust in ourselves to actually make the changes to keep us on track in the direction that we feel called to go. And I think the other thing just to remember is that it is authentic to change your mind. It is authentic to choose to stay in your box because financially it's what makes sense because, you know, energetically, maybe you don't have the bandwidth emotionally to deal with the upheaval of moving jobs or changing and being an entrepreneur. Um, and that's authentic too. It's just knowing that you're making the choice and why that is that self-awareness part that becomes so, so key, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, connecting with yourself and connecting yeah. with your, in you not only assessing your own life, but you're assessing your, your, you're assessing your energy, you're assessing your situation financially. I'm glad you put that up because you brought that up because a lot of times I'll see people who just kind of just jump and if, you know, they'll jump from here, from there, there, but you know, they're not considering that that might not be a great idea, you know, to just switch from doing this to doing this right now because it takes a tremendous amount of energy it takes a tremendous amount of courage and resourcefulness and resilience to be able to do that and so when you're listening to doing things that you want to do on your own with 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 regards to your heart song it's okay to take small steps yeah it's okay to to start making plans to be moving forward yeah and one of the things that I always have to deal with myself is I am not behind 
Yeah. They're not competing with people. You know, yeah. that was a, wow was a huge thing for me. Like, oh, I kept saying, I'm so far behind, so far behind. I'm so far behind what? I mean, I, 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 and I look at my life, I'm like, well, my life was disrupted in 2016 when I had cancer and I had to start my law practice over. Yeah. It's like, I got a renewed lease on life here. And these past few years, when I started listening more and more to my heart song and crafting a career that incorporates the many things that I love to do, it doesn't mean that I'm behind. Yeah. It just means that I'm, I've, I, I'm on the road less traveled. Yeah. And I, I started looking at it as an adventure, yeah. like the adventure and what can I do to make it more fun and enjoyable instead of feeling like I'm less than yeah. somebody else or I am falling behind. And I see this a lot with older um, entrepreneurs and females too. Mm -hmm. We have this, this, I guess this persona and going back to the boxes, this persona that we should have at a certain age. And you're supposed to have all these like success markers. But again, what does success look like is a subjective to me, success was, hey, I beat cancer. I, I am 100% a winner. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, you, I haven't gotten hit by a bus. I am 100% a winner. I, I haven't shut the doors of my, uh, my businesses yet. 100% a winner. Yeah. But the fact that we are alive today, that in and of itself makes you a winner. Yeah. If you impacted somebody in some way by saying hey how you doing that you look great today and you brighten somebody's day you have made an impact in somebody's life yeah. and when you start looking at your life and your journey in that way as well as like how you were talking about with your speaking with your you know speaking on various topic topics like impacting someone in a small way could actually generate a huge catalyst yeah that comes you know later on down the road because you said hey i see you i understand you i want to be here for you even if i'm just holding space for you and then that person is allowed to just feel authentic then it just raises their vibration and then they're going to bring that happy little vibration to somebody else yeah. Who needs it? Don't we ever? I mean, if you, I would really encourage listeners actually to think about what, how they have felt in those moments when they have helped a stranger or helped a person, right? So I remember I was sitting in church one time and there was a woman sitting in front of me and she was crying throughout the service. And when it was over, I was like, Are you okay? And I gave her a big hug and she broke down. And I took her for breakfast and we chatted. And I felt like I was the nicest, most like accomplished, most successful person on earth because I had just helped someone who clearly, I mean, if you're crying in public in this society, you are feeling badly enough that you're prepared to break down in that way, right? And I felt amazing. I felt amazing when I've texted people and just said, how are you doing? And they say, 
thank you for checking. You know, you're not even, we barely know each other. You have my number, but like, thank you. Oh, I saw a post that you made and it didn't sound too positive, you know? And you think, oh, I like, and you feel so like you feel the meaning out of that. I feel more than we feel anything else we do. Oh, I finished a prospectus and launched a fund. How exciting. Like, you know, that's exciting. It's a, it's a mental accomplishment, but when do we feel like we have actually succeeded at something and done something impactful? And it is, I would, I would challenge you, the listeners to find a time when it wasn't of human connection like that. Right. And we have, our egos, like, you know, all the stuff that you were just saying, you know, being tied to where we're supposed to be. And I loved the adventure analogy because it got me thinking about how I am an adventurer in my head in a lot of different ways. And yet, if I'm not careful, I compartmentalize it. I'm an adventurer that travels to Greenland and lives there for six months and, you know, hikes through the Arctic tundra. What an adventurer I am. You know what else I am? I'm an adventurer who leaves a very high paying Bay Street job and tackles entrepreneurship, realizes that they have, well, doesn't even know they have ADHD, but just has a really hard time getting off the couch, has a hard time wanting to practice law, has a hard time, you know, during the pandemic or, or just working from home now, all of a sudden, I used to be surrounded by people working 16 hours a day, you know, going to two different sports afterwards, barely sleeping and getting up the next day, thriving all the way through, right? And the minute I had all this flexibility that seemed like such a benefit to me because of the way my brain functions, it was not a benefit. And it felt like I was in high school during March break, not getting off the couch. No one's, everyone's wondering why I didn't start dinner while they were at work, you know, those kinds of things. Um, and so now to kind of finally let go of the, I need to be like the behind, I'm, I don't need to having been senior counsel, be senior counsel or higher now. I don't even need to be a lawyer. And I don't need a job that's not a lawyer job to be the CEO of a charity or something sort of big that will sound impressive to my network. What I need now is to do something that I know will actually impress people. You know, like when I, even just walking away from my job, the number of people at that bank that said to me, oh, I wish I was you. I can't believe you're doing it. You're pulling the trigger. This is amazing, right? They were all so impressed. They all wished, oh, Sarah, the adventurer, right? And here I am now adventuring when I travel and feeling behind in my entire life. Um, it is a real impact. Like in my case anyways, like I would have thought I could have done more had I understood what I was facing. But I also know I would not be where I am right now if I had tried to jump to something else right away right? Even taking another job, my mother very much would have loved me to do that. Why don't you just get a job and then look for a job? And I said, well, <laughs> the only job I will be able to do is the same exact job at a different place. I will accidentally go right down the rabbit hole, prove myself to everyone, be excellent, you know, ask for everybody's job and everything else all the way up the chain and 20 years will pass and I will be in the same situation. And I don't think that's where I want to be. And that's very hard especially for people who love you to understand and to, and to accept. Um, it's also very hard. You know, I, I did leave without a financial plan. I just figured, Oh, I, you know, I've got investments, I guess I'll be fine. Um, and it has been okay. Uh, you know, it has certainly not been the end of the world. There are people that, you know, are not comfortable with that, but part of my upbringing as well has been um, just an understanding that, 
there's never been a time I've needed anything really, you know, like I will find the thing. I will find money if I need it. A friend of mine has written this quote down. If I ever need money, I will just go get it. Like I will find it in that moment. Um, you know, I've got a profession as you do, like we can always go back to lawyering anytime we want um, and be paid well for it. Right. But I also just believe in myself. I have an outsized confidence and love of myself that I think comes from a fiery Caribbean mother who has also every measure of confidence. Um, you know, but you have to have, you have to have something that allows you to take that financial leap that is either sort of a, a mental, not to say courage, maybe even is a better word. Um, you pointed out resilience. You know, are you going to be able to do that? I am resilient. I don't think of myself as resilient, but I have realized how resilient I am. Um, I am not consistent. I don't consider myself particularly um, disciplined, you know. Again, lots of ADHD reasons for that. But like you could, consistency isn't always I do this thing every single day at six o'clock in the morning or that I, you know, get out of bed early all the time. Sometimes consistency is I keep going even when I do nothing for a week and then I get panicked and realize, oh my God, I should have done something. And then I go again, even if it's in my bursts, I'm still being consistent, aren't I? Just in it my own way. So anyway, there's so much to, to, you know, ditching a nine to five, which there's a million podcasts and books and posts and everything else on this concept. Um, and I think overall, and you've got to agree this, if you believe in the heart song is every single person is different and every single person is allowed to make the choice that works for them in whatever moment to change their mind completely tomorrow, to demand that they will be that circus clown and make a go of it, or to say, I just want to stay in this job until my retirement and quietly retire with my family. Everybody's allowed to do what is right for them. And some people their heart song doesn't live at work at all, right? Their heart song lives with their family. And so the work has nothing to do with what they're passionate about. It's what pays their bills. And then away they go and they fill themselves up, themselves up in evenings and weekends with their family and their travels and their dinners and, you know, their cooking and all of those other things that bring them joy. So, you know, I'm me and I love me. I think everybody should love me. Pretty awesome person to be friends with, but um, I also know that not everybody is like me and I, I have dear friends that are polar opposite to this attitude as well. Yeah. There are, there are a lot of, there are a lot of people who, and I was one of them as well. I had to learn self-love and, mm -hmm. you know, I, I love hearing that you're so confident in your, in your love for yourself, because there are a lot of people who have to learn that self-love and, I always say that's a part of learning your heart, learning to love yourself is also listening to your heart song. Because when you start honoring your heart song, you start honoring yourself. And that is a way to love yourself. And you start doing the things that make you happy, that you love, you're respecting yourself, you're honoring yourself. And you, that's a, a great way to start learning to love yourself. And I know that I had to, I had to look in the mirror and tell myself that I love myself. And for a long time, it was hard. Now mm -hmm. I do it because it's easy, 
Yeah. So I love you. I honor you. What adventure are we going to on today? Yeah. <laughs> no, and I, I have very close friends and family that struggle in that exact same way and cannot even look in the mirror to say it because it's just too upsetting to even try. Right. Um, but I love, I actually now want you to maybe explain more in a little more detail what you view heart song as, because when you said about sort of honoring your, your heart song and, and even sort of those difficult pieces of it, it occurred to me something that I've been trying to practice a little bit, which is to your point about feeling behind or feeling like I'm not doing enough, just, you know, I don't have to, if I, if I didn't do it today, that's okay. Like I'll try again tomorrow. And if I don't do it tomorrow, that's okay. I'll try again the next day, or I'll change my mind and find a different way to do it. Um, and I think it's so important to let ourselves even have our emotions. This is something um, a coach I worked with, Angela Han, mentioned in uh, a lot of the sessions that she's done. She's now the sovereignty practitioner, um, if you pull up a podcast for her. But um, she talks about, you know, your, your own feelings are legitimate as they are when they are, right? Like you learn so much from being angry, for example. So why is everyone telling me that I'm not supposed to be angry when I get upset, yeah. right? I, I always say that anger, sadness is bodyguard. So if you're angry about something, what are you really, what are you sad about? Sure. But, but every emotion is something that can teach you, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's so natural in, in society right now to try to not feel or show emotion. Mm -hmm. I cry at the drop of a hat. It's actually very embarrassing. So I play Australian football and I coach my local team. And I think they kind of laugh at me after every game when we have a really good run, even if we, like we lost last weekend, 27 to 10, but normally this team beats us a hundred to nothing. Right. And I was just like, I could not be more proud. It's like, they can see my chin starting to go and they're like, Oh, Sarah again. But it's so funny because it happens to me at work. I could be in a meeting talking about something that I feel really firmly about that has nothing to do with human emotion. It's just literally, I feel very strongly that we need to disclose this thing in this document or something. And I will get sort of wobbly voiced and, and have a hard time. And I'm hideously ugly when I'm trying not to cry. So, um, you know, but that's that's such a part of me that I always am trying, oh, I can't do, in a meeting, I can't do this or talking to my boss and he's telling me, you know, I'm not getting along with people and, and how do I change that? And I'm just kind of like, you know, and people don't see that. Like when, when I'm a, when I'm a very confident person walking into a room talking as we're talking right now, it, it would not occur to you that you could even hurt my feelings. Right. A lot of the time, maybe not you, cause you're pretty, you're pretty uh, sensitive and empathetic, I think, but people see this pre presentation and they don't think that it's possible for me to be also human, also have feelings, right? And I, I do have very strong feelings, very easily hurt feelings as well. Um, bounce back from them pretty quickly as well, but um, I feel them. So what is the heart song? Like, tell me, so other than just, you know, your passion and where you're headed, what else is in this heart song? Oh, there, I, I, I'm so glad you asked me that because I think it's a matter of your own perspective and your own, it's all, it's subject to everybody, right? You know, it's subjective. Um, for me, my, my heart song is multi-layered and it is things that I love to do, things that I am grateful for, things that, I, that just light me up. And, 
And I, when I talk about energy, it's because I've been studying energy for so long. I can literally feel an energetic shift within my body when I start doing things that I love that are in concert with my heart song. Mm -hmm. So for example, I love meeting new people and listening to their stories. Like I just love it. And that's why I'm so glad I have this podcast because it was a natural. People are like, why don't you just start a podcast? You can literally talk to everybody. Yeah. And I'm like, no. And that is a natural ability of mine to connect with people because people are fascinating. Yeah. They, everybody has a unique story and I have that natural curiosity and I love the human connection. And I love stories. I love telling stories. I love listening to stories. Everybody has a story. Yeah. And so that's when I, that's how I can, I, and I know when I'm meeting new people, I'm, I'm all these things. And yes, that's part of my heart song. And then there's the helping aspect. I love helping people. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, I just love helping people and I love giving giving of myself and giving of my energy to other people that lights me up. I love creating things, whether I am cooking or baking or painting or playing music. I love bringing, excuse me, or making a prospectus and creating a fun, like making social media graphics, making sure. videos, drafting contracts with beautiful language that people can understand yeah. you know the creating things and it's interesting as I always come back to like when I talk about branding I have been telling people when you're when you're looking to craft your your business brand you're going to be thinking energetically as well like what are your core values mm -hmm. and your core values are going to be part of your brand, but your core values are also a part of your heart song mm -hmm. and innovation, creativity, fun. Those are core values of mine. And the things that I'm doing have to be those things, because if I feel constrained, Shannon, you can't do this. Shannon, you have to, you, you can't, you have to stay small you you can't use color. What do you mean you can't use color? I mean, we live in a beautiful, colorful world. Yeah. <laughs> if I can't do those things, then I become, I've noticed, half of myself. Yeah. And it, it, I, I, I love that, like John Mayer song, this is half of my heart. I could only give you half of my heart. Well, I feel half of myself when I am not living and listening to my heart song. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because when I created the website for my legal business, um, it, just, it became a creative writing exercise really. And I, I drafted it and I sent it off to a lawyer to take a look at. And they commented that in response, you know, to what do you think? Oh, it's very uh, informal. And I said, well, yeah. But then today, because I I was pitching a speaking uh, engagement to somebody and I was talking to them and they said, oh yeah, I went to your website. I couldn't stop turning the page. Every paragraph, I was like, what's she going to say next? This is going to be amazing. And I said, 
you're my ideal client, my friend. You know, if you were if you were an entrepreneur, you would be the person that would want to call me and I'd be the person that would want to do your work. And we would get along fa- famously and we'd joke around and be silly and I'd wear jeans and high tops to your office, right? And I, so on branding, actually, I, so, you know, I, I say that I'm, I didn't actually tell you, but I think right now, just because for me, I have to do bite-sized tasks that are not going to overwhelm me as I shift my career a little bit. Um, I'm focusing on, law firms that are looking to do diversity and inclusion work around um, anything, but neuro inclusion is a, is a big one. And also corporations. So my contacts in, in big corporations, how can I support those diversity initiatives? And, um, but at the same time, it works, it literally works everywhere because it's human concepts. So I can talk to school children, I can talk to young adults, I can talk to people, entrepreneurs about their branding. I'm not a branding expert. I'm not going to tell you how to brand, but I can absolutely tell you, you will attract the right people and repel the wrong ones if you bring more of yourself to your work and your branding. And the comment of that first lawyer who said, oh, it's informal. It sort of, it took the wind out of my sails a little, you know, and then it made me think, oh, maybe I better be more careful with the language and maybe I better tweak this because it sounds too formal, you know, and it impacts you because you hear it and you think, oh, and so it's really important to tune in to like, what do you care about? But it's also really difficult to do the younger and the least less experienced that you are. And, you know, the more risk you're taking and, and the more bold you're being to say, oh, I can just do this thing and I can do it super bold. I can do the, the boldest version of me possible because you always pull yourself back because of how we are conditioned in society to think, oh, but will anybody like me if I do it this way? Will they think I'm too much? Will they think I'm this and this and this, right? And I just encourage everybody to say, I don't care. <laughs> I am too much for you. you know? But not so much for somebody else. I mean, it was a huge deal. Like, I, I'm going to tell you this story. Some people who are listening probably also don't know this. So over time, I started integrating meditation and crystal recommending aromatherapy solutions and um, crystals into my consults. And then I came up with my chakra, my heart song chakra framework. Mm-hmm. And I remember the day that I, I put that on my legal, my law firm website, yeah. heart song chakra framework in my purple and pink website. It was super colorful. And like, if you want to, an easy guide to build a business that is aligned, that is easy to use, use my heart song chakra framework. Yeah. And it was fabulous. That feeling where I'm like, that's it. I am being bold to and being whole, like wholeheartedly listening to my heart song. When I put that up there and I threw it up on every single social platform that I have, including LinkedIn, I felt fabulous. And it was amazing the feedback that I got from people who were like, wow, Shannon, like, 
this is really cool. I want to learn more. Like people who I thought were like super like formal, you know, business, they were like, wow, I never knew this about you. I actually want to learn more about this. And then I started attracting my ideal clients just naturally because I'm myself. Yeah, I'm a lawyer, but I'm going to talk to you about what other cool crystals that are that you can use. I'm going to talk to you about meditations. I'm going to talk about grounding. I'm going to talk about, you sound healing. Yeah. Because that's who I am. And when I stress about living with authentically and listening to your heart song, you can even see hear it from my voice. Like this is what I am passionate about. Yeah. And this is what I love doing. And when you start living authentically, listen and listening to your heart song, like your entire life changes, like opportunities arise that you never thought would you, you never thought about that, that doors just start opening. And I think it's also because you're energetically throwing it out there into the universe. Like I am being myself and there's a lot of other people who are, who need my help and I am open to helping them. So bring them over to me. Yeah. And, this, and collaboration and, and everything else. I mean, even how like you and I met, you know, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful that I met you. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, and we, so I had a very similar experience just very recently when I was having my last kick at trying to bring my influencing strength into my legal business. And I, I got excited about these two offers and I started making little graphics and they were all chock-a-block with emojis. And everyone looked at me like, you're going to put emojis on the, on LinkedIn. Like, what are you doing? I was like, yeah, because it's cute. I feel them. I feel, I feel the clown face right now. And I'm going to put this on this thing, or I'm going to put a little chick on because it's an early bird special. Okay. (laughs) And yeah, people liked it. They shared it. You know, it was, it was wildly popular. And also the other thing I pushed myself to do was to send that to my friends, family, and colleagues by email. And that was petrifying for me because when I talked about the ego before, I know that my whole network is lawyers and bankers for the most part um, with a side of entrepreneurs. And I was petrified that I was going to send this email to people telling them what I was going to do. And all these lawyers were going to tell me, you can't do that. You know, that doesn't make sense. And then I was going to be deflated. And I did not get that. I got wild compliments. I got, I can't believe this is happening. I got people sharing things on the feed. Um, And yeah, I, I think people just seeing you for yourself. It's it's a thing I also do as a lawyer in that practice too, is I'm very honest with people about who I am and how I operate and what I know and don't, don't know. And I found it actually very useful to open up to someone that says, can you help me with this thing to say, you know, I'm familiar with this thing. Um, I've never done this in full before. So, you know, we're going to kind of learn together a little bit, but I can absolutely help you. And I'll make sure, you know, I'm not billing you for my learning time. And that tiny bit of vulnerability makes you a, the the lawyer for life for that person. Cause now they think, oh, you're just like me. You're not better than me. You're not trying to pretend you know everything. And I'm the dummy who needs legal help, right? Like they just say, oh, you respect that you're going to learn something here too. And we're all going to get this job, job done together. And we're a team, right? And so, you know, bringing yourself out has so many different benefits. And the other thing just I wanted to touch on when you said about how other doors will open. 
I am a very strong believer and I always have been probably because my parents somewhat taught me this, that things just have like all, all these wonderful good things happen. And what I've also noticed is the minute you stop expecting that and you start paying attention to what could go wrong, that sort of scarcity mindset that a lot of us really easily fall into, then all you see is the scarcity. Then the jobs don't come, the money doesn't come, the opportunities don't come, the doors stay closed, right? But the minute you say, yeah, surely next week I'm gonna book five speaking engagements and five speaking engagements come in the door, you know? So it's it's all the same principle of, I have a red Volkswagen and now all I see is red Volkswagens around because I'm thinking about it. It's exactly the same situation. You're ready for that opportunity. You're ready to see it come. You know, you deserve it. And yeah. Absolutely. Mm. Well, I've loved our chat today, Sarah. So how can people connect with you? Yeah, well, for, um, they can find me on my website, which is not updated at all for the work that I'm doing now, which is just growthcouncil.ca. Um, or they can look me up on LinkedIn. That's probably where I'm most active and I'm posting, um, you know, a little bit of dribbles about my ADHD journey and the work that I'm doing. And I'm going to be soon kind of announcing in a bit more wholesome way, the work that I'm moving towards. And that, uh, so you can just find me by my name, Sarah Enor, E-N-N-O-R. Um, so those are the best two ways. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Sarah. Pleasure. Thank you for inviting and for sharing with me as well. It's great to hear some of those stories from you. Thanks, Shannon. This episode of the HeartSong Entrepreneur was brought to you by our sponsors, Legal Contract Factory, who provides easy-to-use, customizable legal templates, and Vialba Law Firm, providing heart-centered legal to conscious entrepreneurs. Check out the links in the show notes to connect and download some cool freebies. Thank you for joining me, Shannon Vialba, in this episode of the HeartSong Entrepreneur. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive new episodes right when they're released. If you enjoyed today's show, we'd love for you to rate us and give a review. Reviews are one of the major ways that our platforms rank their podcasts. So even though it only takes a few seconds, it really does make a difference. Until next time, stay happy listening to your heart song and keep building that dream.